All right, let's stay with that thought. Will you pray with me? Father, through your son, Jesus Christ, you have raised us up from the dead. And we praise you for that. We praise you for what you've done in our lives. We praise you for being so powerful and so generous and so gracious and so loving that you would take us from where we were to where we are and on into where we'll be. Father, every one of us deserves something other than what you're giving us. So we thank you for what you are giving us, for pouring out on us that grace that is beyond even amazing. Thank you for how you have demonstrated your love and your grace and your power in our lives this past week. Thank you for being sufficient for us and for all that we face. Thank you for being sufficient for those who have faced hardship this week, whether illness or even a heart attack in our midst, where you have delivered and you have healed and you have restored. We continue to lift up those who are facing all kinds of challenges in their lives, from illness to loneliness to sorrow to pain of all kinds. We praise you that you have raised us up out of that and that forever we will be with you and none of those things will exist anymore. Father, it's a delight to be here in your, in your presence this morning with your people. We just ask for your blessing on this day. As we look, look ahead to what the, the day holds, we just ask that you would be a part of every bit of it. We ask for your blessing on the senior banquet tonight as we honor those who have graduated this year and their families and all that they've invested in their children's lives and just bless that time of celebration that we have. The time following the church as we gather together with those who are new to the church and want to know more about what you're doing here. We ask for your blessing on that. And Father, now for this service, we know that you're blessing us. We've experienced that already and now as we get into your word, and we talk about your gospel, the good news that you have given to us. We just ask that your spirit would come in power and help us to see, to hear, to understand, and to embrace all that you have for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we've been talking in this series about the gospel, about the good news. We've been digging into what the gospel is and what it means to us and the ways in which we communicate the gospel to the people in our lives. And I want to continue with that this morning and next Sunday. And, and then we're going to bring in the concept of making disciples and what that looks like for us as a church. So I want to encourage you to do your best to be here two weeks from now on June 1st. I want to share with you then a look at the vision that God has laid on our hearts for this church and where the gospel and following Christ's instruction to make disciples fits into all that he has for us as a church. That'll be an important day for us, and I'm excited to take up, for us to take up this vision together, a vision that is going to bring with it some fresh direction, some fresh mission, 
make sure that you're here for that service on June 1st. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now listen to the way the message version of the Bible expresses Jesus' words. I love how the message communicates this. It says this. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I, made, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Last Sunday, we talked about the gospel of light. We agreed that God is light and that we walk in his light and his light is in us and we have become his light in this world. And the challenge that I left with you was to stop being afraid of the dark and let your light shine before men. I even went so far as to say that we ought to be moving toward the darkness in order to, to shine the light of Christ, to overcome that darkness. The light of Jesus Christ cannot be overcome by the darkness. So we have nothing to fear in shining our light in this dark world. I love this image that Jesus paints for us of a city on a hill. That is exactly what this church has been called to be. We are a city, a cluster of lights shining into the darkness around us. We've got to see ourselves this way. Why? Because Jesus already does see us this way. Jesus didn't say to his followers, hey, here's an option for the radical ones among you. You can shine your light in the darkness. He said, you, Chapel Hill Church, are my light in this world. I have positioned you in such a way that you are to be my light in the darkness here. We have not been given a suggestion by Jesus. We've been given a position and a purpose by Jesus. It's not something that we're to dream of one day becoming. It is what and who we are right now. Jesus is saying that he set us on this hill as a city of light. We are a city of light. We're not being told to, to hide ourselves away and study what it means to be light. We are a city of light, and the world around us is living in darkness. On the roof of this building is a big cross. Many of us have become so accustomed to that cross that we just don't notice it anymore. Um, I definitely notice that cross. I come here early in the morning often, um, maybe too often. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> but there's something amazing to me when I arrive early here in the morning and the, the sun is just rising in the east and there's this intensely beautiful scene unfolding. As I drive up, I get to see that big cross lit up from behind by the light of the sun as it rises. 
And that's the right way for this pastor to start his day at the church. We have a, a light at the base of the cross that comes on when it gets dark and it creates another beautiful scene here. Um, we've had some problems with that light. It's burned out several times, gone through some bulbs. And so we've debated over whether or not it's, it's worth the labor and expense of keeping the light working. But I believe it's worth whatever it takes to keep the light on that cross working. I believe that because I've driven uh, at night into the subdivision across Pilot Knob out here and I've seen the cross from a distance lit up at night standing out in the darkness here above our church. And that image has become a bit of an inspiration for me. Um, I will do whatever it takes to keep the light shining bright in this city on a hill. We have to. Sometimes it's going to be hard for us to keep it shining bright. God's enemy wants to put our lights out for sure. But I and the leaders of this church and every single one of you will always fight to keep this light bright. I believe that God is using this church to be a light in the dark. I really do. God is leading people here and many of you can give testimony to the fact that God is doing that. He led you here and you know that it was him doing the leading and he will continue to lead people here to join in the mission of making the light of this church shine bright in the darkness. This church will be a source of light for every one of us. We'll open the word of God together and we'll grow under God's light in our understanding of and our love for our heavenly father. We'll walk together in his light and build deep, life-giving, authentic relationships here. And we'll equip ourselves to take the light we receive and deliver it to the dark places that we encounter every single day. From this city on a hill, this lamp that Christ has put on a lampstand, light will go out, carried by every one of us into our neighborhoods and workplaces, into our community, into our schools, into our world. And that light will become life to many, many people here, as it already has. Now, are you with me in this? Let me suggest something that will hopefully help you see this church from that perspective. Um, drive by here sometime early in the morning. And just pull into the parking lot as the sun's rising. Time yourself to do that and, and get here when the sun's coming up behind that cross. Um, drive by here at night. See how that cross stands out in the darkness. Take a step towards seeing this church as a, a city on a hill, a lamp placed by Jesus Christ on a lampstand, and then spend some time talking to him about that. Ask God to use this church to be what he's created it to be. Thank him for the light that it gives to you. Thank him for the ways in which you grow here. Thank him for the light of the fellowship that you experience here. Thank him for the equipping that's taking place in you so that you can be his light in your world. And then picture yourself carrying that light that grows in you here into your neighborhoods and your workplaces and your schools. God's plan for you is not to hide you under a bucket. He didn't fill you with his light just to see you keep that light to yourself and walk through life in this private little bubble of light. His plan for you is that you go public and you shine the light that he's given you into every dark place that you encounter. Don't fight him on this. He's the keeper of the lamp. We belong to him and he has set us in a place where our light, his light, can shine through our lives. 
Commit to God that you'll be generous with his light, that you will embrace your identity as a visible, hope-giving light to this world. This world needs you and me to shine God's light as an offering of light. You are the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Chapel Hill Church is the light of this world. We have received and been entrusted with the gospel of light, the good news that there is light that has overcome the darkness. And that light takes on many forms, all hopeful, significant forms. And I want to take us in that direction this morning. Um, I hope that by now you're seeing in this series that proclaiming the gospel is more than just an encounter that we have with people that leads them to make a decision to follow Jesus. The gospel is the message that we need to be ready to share with people about the forgiveness and new life that's available through Christ. I'm in no way diminishing the critical nature of that conversation, that encounter. That is right at the very heart of the gospel. The heart of the good news that God wants his world to hear. That truth about our need to repent and be forgiven and restored is central and essential to everything that we're talking about in this series. So please don't let my words about the gospel of grace or the gospel of light distract you in any way from the need to proclaim the gospel of salvation as well. My desire in this series of messages has always been to explore the scope of the good news. My prayer is that we will all see that our whole lives reflect the hope of the gospel and that there are opportunities that we may be missing to showcase the good news in a variety of ways, knowing that the people around us will experience the fullness of the gospel in a way that shines light on God and draws them to him. So for the next little while, I want us to consider how much good news we really have to share with the world and how effectively that good news provides a platform A platform upon which the gospel of salvation can be preached by every single one of us. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the gospel of grace. We reflected on the good news that God's grace is available to every single one of us. And don't be distracted by my beautiful assistant who's here to help with my props this morning. God lovingly pours out his grace constantly to the point of seeking us out and bestowing his grace upon us freely. His unmerited favor becomes a gift for those he's created. It's not something that any of us deserve. It's a gift from a generous father. It comes instead of the condemnation that we know we deserve God's grace comes to us and it is encountered by us. It's encountered when we find release from our past. It's encountered when we discover who we were created to be. It's encountered when we find God to be everything that we need and everything that we've been looking for. So do you know someone who needs to hear of and experience that grace? Of course you do. Of course you do. There are people all around you who are longing to hear that God loves them and that he's not angry with them. They need to know that the one who created them is gracious and loving, that he is what they've been looking for, that he has a plan and a purpose for them. 
Look for opportunities to express the grace of God. Find situations or lives that have holes in them that are waiting to be filled by grace. Grace is good news to this world. We've been talking about the gospel of light. The dark is a scary place to be. It's a deceptive place. It's an insecure place. It's a painful place. It's a violent place. It's a lonely place. As God's children, we have received the light of the gospel. We're experiencing what it is to walk in the light and to have the light of God in us. As the light of the world, we're to be taking God's light into the dark places where his light has yet to shine. So where are those dark places in your world? Who do you know that needs to have some light shine in their darkness? And do you realize that it may be as simple as being a presence in their life that will allow them to experience the light of Christ? Don't get hung up thinking that light has to come in the, forms of, in the form of words right away. Just move towards someone, towards some situation. Get to know your neighbor. Get to know the people around you. Take a step through the door of their life and see what God does as the light of his, his life enters the, their life through your life. Or invite them in some way to be a part of your life. Just get close enough. For the light to shine. The gospel is the good news of truth. You think we live in a world that's being deceived when it comes to God's truth. Of course we do. The lies continue to influence our society and that's clearly having a negative impact all around us. As intimidated as we may be by the power of the deception we see, we have got to believe now and always that God's truth has to maintain its place in this world and that we're the ones who have been given that truth and the ability to understand it and receive it. The truth debate can be scary, I know. Um, The thought that, that we have to have all the answers can be debilitating to God's people and it has been. The challenge that our kids are facing as they're silenced more and more in their schools is defeating. But our role is not to be the ones who have all the answers. Our role as proclaimers of the gospel is to be the ones who do not back down from pointing people to the truth, guiding people to God where his spirit can reveal his truth to them. It is still and always will be good news To this world that someone believes in absolute truth. That there is indeed absolute truth. The truth of God's word. The gospel is the good news of freedom. God is fully capable of delivering his creation from their bondage to sin. To their circumstances. To their addictions. To their vices. To their self-centeredness. To society's expectations. God's good news is news that they can be free and find the strength that they need to overcome whatever it is that they're slaves to. Offering someone the hope that it's possible for them to break free of whatever it is that they're facing can be so powerful in drawing them to Christ. Who do you see around you that is in bondage to something or to someone Look closely and discover whether or not they believe that they can be free. 
You don't have to look far. People all around you are in bondage. Alcohol is one of the most obvious addictions that we can see. Does that person know that God can free them from their addiction? Unhealthy relationships have created prisons everywhere. Do they know that they can find what they're looking for in Christ? Conformity and a lack of purpose is keeping people prisoners. Freedom is good news. And Christ came to set the prisoners free. Start pointing people in the direction of freedom. The gospel is the good news of peace. Our world is experiencing a serious lack of peace. Anxiety and worry are rampant all around us. Any one of us can see that. But we have in us the peace of Christ. A peace that passes all understanding. We have found the source of peace, even in the midst of life's storms. We know that there's a place to go where we can find peace, and that the peace God offers does not promise to lift us up out of the storm necessarily. It promises to provide peace in the midst of our storms. Do you ever speak to others of the peace that you've found in Christ? With all the spiritual, mental, emotional, and even physical turmoil that we witness all around us every day. How can we just sit on the peace that God has so generously bestowed on us? There are so many that long to hear that they can find and experience peace in their life. Guide them to that peace that they need so desperately. Let God use you to be a messenger of peace. The gospel is the good news of mercy. I trust that we're not unaware of the oppression that's taking place all around us. Both the oppressors and the oppressed yearn to know that there is mercy available to them. They were, after all, created in the image of God. And I sincerely believe that regardless of whether or not their lives demonstrate this, they are aware on some level of that image within them. Good news to an oppressor is that God is merciful. Good news to the oppressed is that God hears their cries. How many people are seeking relief from the oppression in their lives, unaware that there is relief from the oppression found in the mercy of God? How many people need to hear that God does not seek to destroy them in their wickedness? How many people need to know that God has not abandoned them in their plight. We know of the mercy of God. We as his people have experienced his mercy ourselves. Who in your life is waiting to hear you speak of God's mercy and what it means to you? The gospel is the good news of worth, of just how valuable we are in God's eyes. How can we not see the pain in the eyes of those we know who can't see their value in this world? Self-esteem is a bigger issue now than it's ever been. So many people feel and believe that they are worth nothing. They've never experienced the unconditional love of God. They've never been told that God looks upon what he's created with delight and that he sees infinite value in them. You realize how much Pain could be avoided if that person who you know is struggling could see their worth to their creator. Do 
You know how much pain could be healed if they knew that they were valuable to you and me. We know how much God values us. We know that we're worth dying for. We know that we have a God-given identity, plan, and purpose. Have we forgotten what it's like to see ourselves as worthless? Have we neglected to use the healing balm that God has placed in our hands for the sake of extending his love to somebody else? Part of proclaiming the gospel to our world is letting them know that they are valued, that they are of infinite worth. The gospel is the good news of reconciliation. The gospel is the good news that our neighbor's relationships with God, with themselves, and with others can be restored. The gospel is the good news that they don't have to remain in the pain of a broken relationship, that God loves to restore people. The gospel is the good news that there is hope for the brokenness in their lives. They need to know that God's desire for us is is unity and peace and that he will gladly intervene to bring that kind of restoration. Think about the impact that broken relationships have had in your own life. Think about the restoration that God has brought into your life. Think about the healing and release that you've experienced when God has guided you and the person you're in relationship with to a place of restoration and reconciliation. And then think about how much that kind of reconciliation can mean to your coworker who has shared their struggle in their marriage or between them and their kids. You and I, as people set apart for the gospel, can speak that hope into their lives. Move towards the broken relationships around you. The gospel is the good news of courage. God has placed in us his spirit of courage. Do you see the fear in the people around you? People all over are afraid. They're afraid to fail. They're afraid to let someone down. They're afraid to be themselves. They're afraid to stand up for their beliefs. They're afraid to question the media and the influences in their society. They're afraid to stand out. Their fear is keeping them from experiencing the life that they were created to live, to experience. People need to know that they have nothing to fear. They need to know that they are not alone and just that can give them the courage to face life. They need to know that God never intended his creation to live in fear. They need to know that they don't have to fear the future They need to see that you have found the courage to face life's struggles and uncertainties. They need to see you and me courageously facing the dark because of the courage that comes from the light within us. Get close enough that they can see that light and experience God's courage in you. The gospel is the good news of hope. This dark world lives in despair and I know that we can all see that. What can you do to bring hope into someone else's life? The gospel of hope can be expressed in so many ways from the power of your presence in someone's life to offering words that bring hope, reminders of eternity, encouragement that things will get better and you're willing to help them see that become a reality. 
An offer to pray for someone, an offer to relieve their burden through childcare, a meal, some form of assistance, something, anything that communicates to another that things can and will get better. There's hope. Never be afraid to offer the hope of God's love to the people around you. Express the hope of his justice and mercy. Speak of your own hope. Be open about how you got through something difficult that you and your family have faced. Speak of a God who intervenes because of his love for his creation. Proclaim God's faithfulness to you and to others that you know. Hope is something that we should have no trouble offering at all. That's the gospel. It's the good news of hope. The gospel is the good news of God's power. The gospel is demonstrating the impact God's power has had throughout history. The gospel is the powerfully encouraging news that Christ's power is made perfect in our weakness. Have you seen that in your own life? Have you seen God's power been made perfect in your weakness? Then tell somebody about it. Let them see God's power at work in your life. Be a reminder to others that God's power is available to those who he has created. You know what it feels like to be weak. So do I. And weakness is a universal experience. What an opportunity then to express the power that we have found in the strength of Christ, in the power of our Father. When someone you know is feeling weak, Bring them the message of the power of God. Let them know that they do not have to succeed at life on their own power only. Let them know that there is one whose burden is easy and yoke is light because of his limitless power. The gospel is the good news of life. Speaking of universal experiences... Everyone knows that they're going to die. And the vast majority of this world is terrified by that idea. This world is dying and they know that they're dying. And the good news, the very good news, is that there is, no more, that there is more to life than being on a road that ends in death. Never back away from an opportunity to state with confidence that you know that your spirit is going to live forever. Early in my life as a pastor, I experienced great fear when I was asked to speak at a funeral. Now I'm really starting to look forward to it. The good news of life spoken into a heart that is processing death is a very powerful thing. The people in your world need to see that you do not fear death. They need to learn from you that our physical death is not the final chapter. We have something to add to the comfort that we offer those around us who are facing the reality of death. We can add the gospel, the good news of life. Are you beginning to see the scope of the gospel? The scope of the good news. The gospel is a vast expression that points people to the existence, power, and character of a loving God. 
And that expression requires our whole lives in order for it to be made. You and I face opportunity all around us to speak of and demonstrate the things that we've just been talking about right here. Things like grace and light and truth and freedom and peace and mercy and worth and reconciliation and courage and hope and power and life. All of this is the gospel. All of this is good news to a dying, dark, lost world. I don't believe that out of all the people we know who have not yet met Jesus, that there isn't room in any of their lives for at least a portion of this good news. Everyone has a need in their life for this good news. Let me ask you this. Have you hesitated to share the gospel of salvation with someone at some point in your life because you weren't sure if they were ready for it and you were afraid of damaging your relationship with them if you rushed in with that message? I get that fear. But are you afraid of taking that risk because the gospel of salvation would have to stand alone without a platform, without a context in which to be proclaimed? If so, then create that platform by communicating the broader scope of the gospel to those you know with your whole life. You and I have been set apart for the gospel. We have been set apart by God to be used by him to communicate to this world the gospel of grace, the gospel of light, the gospel of truth, the gospel of freedom, the gospel of peace, the gospel of mercy, the gospel of worth, the gospel of reconciliation, the gospel of courage, the gospel of hope, the gospel of power, the gospel of life, and the gospel of salvation. Look for opportunities to proclaim the gospel in its fullness. Look for ways to proclaim this gospel with your whole life to their whole life. I guarantee you that you'll find a place where the gospel can enter their lives and begin to grow as you walk with them and let them see, hear, and experience the gospel, the good news of God in its fullness in you. If we look back at the life of Christ, I think we can see, I hope you can see, that Christ had a platform. That all of these things were being demonstrated by Christ. That he was speaking of all of these things before he made it to the cross and declared the gospel of salvation to the world. This is all part of his message. And it's to be a part of our message. I hope it doesn't scare you to realize that there's room in everyone's life around you for some part of the gospel. There's a place where the gospel of peace fits in the life of someone you know who's in turmoil. There's a place for the gospel of hope in the life of someone you know who's living in despair. There's a place for the gospel of light for in some situation that you're aware of in which it is very dark 
There's a place for the gospel of courage in the life of someone you know who is living in fear. Find the place where the gospel fits. It's not hard to find. You will find it. But we have this tremendous fear that this is all we're sent to proclaim is the gospel of salvation in this little package that I've been talking about. You have opportunity all around you. I have opportunity all around me every day in all kinds of circumstances to proclaim the fullness of the gospel of God. And that, Chapel Hill Church, is what we have been set apart to do. We have been set apart for the gospel of God, just like Paul said. Will you take up that challenge to look for a place where the gospel fits in the world around you? It's there. You'll find it. I guarantee you'll find it. And then figure out how you're going to speak the gospel in one or more of its various forms into the life of someone who so desperately needs to hear it or experience it through you. I'm going to ask the ushers to come now and the worship team to return to the front. Will you pray with me as they come? Father, I can't help but think about all the ways in my life that your gospel has come in and been the the good news that I was looking for. And I think if we all stop and think about that, we'll realize that the gospel came into our lives in various ways. And Father, we've encountered you in your word and in the life of your son and his disciples. We've encountered you in the, in the fellowship and community of the church. We've encountered you in serving and in sharing our, our story and your story with the world around us. We've encountered you in all these ways and we've seen the gospel take on so many different forms, all of it pointing towards the gospel of salvation that your son lived out on the cross and through the grave. Based on that, Father, help us to realize that that our lives create a platform, that this church creates a platform. Help us to go about building that platform in our relationships that we have with the people around us, preparing to share the gospel of salvation with them. Help us to be good communicators of things like hope and courage and reconciliation and peace and mercy and all of these aspects, all these different dimensions of your gospel. Give us wisdom, give us courage. Give us understanding to see that we are the light of this world and we're to shine the light of your gospel into any and every situation and relationship that exists in our lives. Thank you, Father, again, for bringing us your gospel, for speaking it to us, for putting it in your book for us, for living it out for us through other disciples that have gone before us. Show us, Lord, more and more day by day what it means to be set apart for the gospel of God. Thank you, Father, for your generosity to us in bringing us this good news. We praise you for who you are and for all you've done for us 
and we offer ourselves willingly back to you to join in the work of your kingdom, in the work of proclaiming, living, demonstrating, speaking of your gospel, the good news. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.